welcome to Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. My name's Christopher Webb, and with me is His Holy Ruthlessness, it's Robert Johnson. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. That's great. Are you enjoying this wonderful winter weather? I am. Well, I'm sitting in um spare room in bed, actually. Well, that's nice. I'm in the garage in a cold metal chair. As usual. <laughs> so, it was your turn to choose this week. It was my turn. It was my turn. You know, as as we've we've often done through our, our back catalogue, We've chosen the the films that really uh, made an impression on us as younglings. Oh, yes. This was one of, as I've mentioned, as a child, we had our sort of do not tape over VHS tapes. Did you put that little bit of broken tape over the tabs that nobody did? Well, we actually, we got sophisticated. We had a book with numbers. (laughs) And you just numbered the tape. And in the the sort of the, the first page of the book, there was like... You cannot tape over these ones. and So you didn't go through that traditional route of having a label which said Coronation Street. But then you said, don't tape on that, it's got jaws on it. <laughs> no, we got quite sophisticated. <laughs> well, did you have those special cases that made them look like books? <laughs> Not that sophisticated. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's classy, that is. And, you know, we've, and we've already gone through some of them in, in our um, time together. So, like, you know, Annie was one, and, and this was another. And this was, an, and as with many of the movies that I've selected, it was one that my brother... My older brother's good seven years older than me that I sort of watched with him one one night and he laughed his way through it and I thought, oh, this is fun. It's a real curiosity, this one. It's a 1983 film called Yellowbeard. In all the Spanish main, only one name makes cutthroats hoist their sails, hide their loot, and hold their noses. Yellowbeard. Terror of the seas, fighting the scum of the earth for the gold of the realm in the comedy of the century, the 17th century. Ah, Yellowbeard, the not Monty Python film. The not Monty Python film, Yellowbeard. It's got all of them except Michael Palin and Terry Jones. Yeah, and Terry Gilliam as well. Well, yeah, if you... Yeah, it's got John Cleese, Eric Idle, and, of course, Graham Chapman. I know both Palin and Terry Jones turned it down. I, I can't imagine why. No, nah, well, having read Michael Palin's diaries, I think he's rather pleased that he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know John Cleese took it as a favour to Graham Chapman. So of course, Graham Chapman, yes, is the, um, the, the leading man or leading pirate. Also one of the screenwriters. And um, Eric Idle was, I think, said it's one of the worst scripts he's ever read. Yeah, I think Eric Idle was quite open um, and said that it was six weeks in Mexico uh, and he's going to get paid <laughs> for it. Um, and he was going to hang out with a lot of comedy heroes, so why the hell not? Yeah, it really is a curiosity because if you looked at the cast of this movie, you would think it is going to be the epic, comedic magnum opus of, of our time. Yeah, it's like the band-aid of comedy, isn't it? It, it is. It's do they know it's comedy after all? Or... <laughs> yeah, I'm still asking that at the end. It's truly impressive. And not just not just the kind of comedy actors as well. You've got David Bowie showing up. He does, looking very excited. Looking very excited with a, with a really nice, his original kind of Cockney accent on, yeah. on display. <laughs> yeah, I think this would be around the time he was doing Let's Dance and the, the Serious Moonlight tour. He's got that shock of lovely blonde hair. He's got that shock of blonde hair and the tan. James Mason. Yes, 
James Mason and it really leaves quite a quite an indelible um, impression in, in his role, I think. He really... Yeah, it's very difficult to forget James Mason in there. Really difficult to forget. So Michael Horden. Yeah. And he's one of my favourite parts of this film, actually. Because Michael Horden's always good, despite the material. He's just got that voice. He's got the voice, but he also just... He was just li- lovable. And he is very cuddly. He is, he is. And, of, of course, Marty Feldman, his, um, his final role, he died, actually, making this... <laughs> He did. <laughs> and he's not the only one. <laughs> his career would have anyway if, if he didn't in person. But <laughs> of course, Nigel Planer. We can go on and on and on. Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, yeah. Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Cheech and Chong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, Spike Mulligan shows up. Yeah, Beryl Reed. Beryl Reed, Susanna York. Oh, I forgot about Susanna York, yeah. Yeah, Sus- Susanna York turns up. There's a, a nice little scene with Queen Anne, played by Peter Bull. And Susanna York plays Lady Churchill, of course, a duo that's been in, in cinema history lately with the movie The Favourite. Olivia Coleman was Queen Anne. And ah, Ra- yeah. Rachel Weitz yeah. was um, Lady Churchill. Yeah, that movie, The Favourite, would have been quite different if it was Peter Bull and Susanna York. <laughs> <Instead>. <laughs> Probably not quite so Oscar worthy. <laughs> As I said last time, I'd, I'd never seen this film before. No. Not for any choice or, or whatever, just just never got round to it. You'd heard of it? I think, and this is going to sound awful, um, but I think Graham Chapman's kind of my least favourite python. No, it doesn't sound awful. It's like speaking ill of the dead, really, um, with the exception of his turns in Holy Grail and Life of Brian, where I think he's amazing. I've always found him to be the one with the least to contribute. Yeah, yeah. And having read most of the python autobiographies, it does seem that he did contribute the least, because he was always drunk. Yeah. Or always not yeah. turning up. Yeah. But I suppose that's neither here nor there. I just never got around to watching it. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because two of their biggest successes, he was ostensibly the leading man, Life of Brian and um, Holy Grail. Yeah, especially Life of Brian. I mean, he was Brian. Yeah, and Life of Brian especially. I mean, that's a proper acting performance. Yeah. It's a three-dimensional yeah. character. It's brilliant. And with the... Um, the Holy Grail, there was kind of... John Cleese was a bit of professional jealousy there because he kind of wanted to be the leading man. People were saying that, no, Graham Chapman, is he's got the leading man looks. But mm, certainly an interesting interpretation of, of that in some ways. He's just a very, very gangly, <laughs> very very British, does posh well. But um, he, he's quite an imposing figure as Yellowbeard. Do you think? He's a striking figure as Yellowbeard in this movie. Because, again, this is going to sound awful, but yeah. I think the film would have worked just as well without him being in it at all. The, the character, or...? Yeah, yeah, the character. He almost seemed like to be a, a sporting character in his own film. He, certainly in the second, third act, he, he really does become a, a peripheral character. Mm. But, yeah, I, I loved him as a kid. <laughs> in that first act, when he's he's in the prison, he's... Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, before we go on, um, we did get some correspondence about this as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did put it out there, and I asked the listeners of the show. Oh, how, how are my four favourite people? They're, they're, all four of them are really good, actually. Yeah, they're doing well. Excellent, excellent. I did ask what their favourite non-Python spin-offs were, listing them through, Python by Python. Yeah. We got some contributions, so um, Richard Bald from Edinburgh. For Chapman, he said Yellowbeard. Oh, wow, good on you, Richard. What have we got a treat for you, Richard? Please, clockwise. Yeah, yeah, I know you're a big fan of... Yeah, I certainly was at the time when it came out, so in mm. the future, yeah. who knows. Uh, for Gilliam, Brazil. Yep, predictable. Terry Jones, Labyrinth. For Eric Idle, Splitting Ears. Okay. Yeah. All right. We won't argue, it was Richard's choice. Yep. And for Michael Palin, his BAFTA-winning performance in A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, I'd have to agree with that. Hmm, yeah. Uh, regular listener and contributor Christine Hinchman, mm-hmm. short film Sunday. 
uh, yellow beard. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Fish called Wanda for John Cleese, yeah. for Terry Gilliam, Baron Munchausen, ah, yes. for Terry Jones, L.A. Story. I didn't even know he had anything to do with that. Yeah, what, 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 did he, he didn't direct it or anything, did he, Was No, no, it was directed by Mick Jackson, who did Threads and The Bodyguard. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was in it, but, but there you go. Uh, Eric Idle, European Vacation. Fair enough. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and for Michael Palin, American Friends, which is a lovely film. I don't think I've ever seen that. No, yeah, it's a very, very nice film. It's lovely. Oh, great. Yeah, so thank you very much, guys, for writing in there. You know, the um, the reason both of them chose Yellowbeard for Chapman is, anymore. is that his only non- <laughs> non-Python <laughs> number? <laughs> if it? <laughs> so quite a pedigree to this movie and a really interesting backstory as well. I'm not sure how much truth there is to this, but of course, um, Peter Cook, who's also in this and was one of the, the co-writers, said that this all kicked off when he and Keith Moon and Sam Peckinpah and Graham Chapman were all on the Raz somewhere, and um, they decided they wanted to do a pirate vehicle for initially Peckinpah was going to be directing. Yeah, do we believe this, Peckinpah? Well, definitely Keith Moon bankrolled it. He died about five years so, before. Peckinpah? No, no, Keith Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been in a, lo- a long development. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. Certainly, we've had our experiences with development hell. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Silver beard. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an in-joke there, listeners. Mm. <laughs> we have mentioned it before, so our regular listeners know what we're on about. But yeah, I'd heard it was all a big drunken, hey, let's all make a pirate movie together. Yeah, which, you know, f- fair enough. It's a good idea. Mm, yeah. Um, and if we can pull that cast together, then yeah, what could possibly go wrong with a cast like that? And Peter Cook and Graham Chapman co-writing, you'd think that there'd be some some comedy gold there. Um, who was the third one? Bernard Bernard McKenna. Bernard McKenna. He's one of Chapman's old writing pals from when they used to do the Doctor TV series in the sixties. And apparently there was um it was quite a torturous behind the scenes um writing process. I read that um there were some arguments between Chapman and McKenna, Hollywood getting involved, the studio getting involved. Sounds like the initial script, the supporting characters had much less to do. That changed, which perhaps explains why as the movie goes on, the protagonist is kind of sidelined a bit. Do you think it's maybe the case that because there's so many comedians in there, it's a bit like comedy ego? Hey, wouldn't it be funny if I did a 10-minute comedy skit here about this, about my amusing speech impediment? So rather than a through story, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's just a bit like a like an end-of-term gang show. Yeah, yeah, and I'd, I'd totally believe that. And couple that with a director who's, well, Mel Damsky. A Mel Damsky film. <laughs> Mel Damsky, yeah. Didn't he do that single with Seal? <laughs> you, you look through his filmography and it's a lot of, you know, episode of M.A.S.H., you know, it's all TV. There's a lot of work there. He's a, he's a real busy man, but lots of TV. I just wonder if he didn't have... To wrangle all those egos, and especially to make the the right decisions around which comedic flights of fancy to keep in the film, he probably didn't quite have it. Yeah, because I've read some of the criticisms of the film saying that one of the reasons... And this is a spoiler here, guys. One of the reasons the film doesn't work is... What? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, it's just too much of a mesh of British versus American humour. Yes, so you've got Cheech and Chong and so on on one side. Yeah. Then you've got the Pythons and Peter Cook on the other side. But I think it's a bit more basic than that. I think it doesn't work because it's badly written and very badly directed. Yeah, very definitely very badly directed. The only thing that makes it watchable at all, and I and I say watchable with a lowercase w, is the performances of some... <laughs> these are such high-quality comedic performers that they managed to nearly make these really... Th- offensive 
vulgar, thinly written characters come to life. You care to share which ones? Look, I think um, Eric Idle and Nigel Planer are a great double act. As, I thought Nigel Planer was great, actually. Yeah, he was really good. As, um, what are they, Commander Commander Clement of the Royal Navy and Mansell. And <laughs> one of my, my fond memories as a child is just Eric Idle saying, Mansell. <laughs> and, and the two of them, oh, oh, there's, a, there's a documentary, Main Group Madness, that was made about this. And there's um, a little bit of Eric Idle saying that, talking about kind of like a a spin-off of Commander Clement and, and Mansell. I'd watch that. <laughs> well, it would be better than this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a group madness, and from what I could see, and again, herein lies the problem, it's just a group of comedians having a nice time. Having a nice time, all trying to one-up each other. Yeah, it's Ocean's 12. Yeah. They obviously had loads of fun making it, which yeah. doesn't necessarily translate into us having a nice time watching no, it. No, and it's quite skittish. You know, there's it's like a series of skits that take place in the same kind of universe, but... I'm okay with that if it works. If it works, yeah. As mentioned, I thought Sir Michael Horton and I found him really charming, his character. And um, Peter Cook playing himself, essentially. Yeah, I think Peter Cook was just drunk. He wasn't putting it on. He was just pissed the whole way through it. 17th century version of himself. Again, you know, these are guys who are doing these roles in their sleep. They're, they're phoning it in, but they managed to make them charming, you know. And they're, they're characters that I really loved as a child. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate <laughs> coming, that. <laughs> coming back 20 years later. But... Yeah, I mean, I suppose we haven't even really talked about what the film's about other than pirates. Well, that's it. That's it's about pirates. That's, that's basically it. I mean, there's not a lot of plot to kind of talk about here, but it does kick off with a very rousing overture over a pirate map. Mm. I read that Harry Nilsson did a score for this. Yeah, because he was very friendly with the Pythons as well, wasn't he? And they sort of sacked him because they didn't... I'm not sure if he was having some substance issues at the time, but they, they sacked him because um, they didn't think he was going to finish it. Did he die during production as well? Well... Possibly. I don't... <laughs> they might have had a meeting after that and gone, look, I'm not sure if Harry's going to finish this. <laughs> him dying last week. Really, um... They should have brought in Mama Cass as well and just sat them all in the same flat. That's the story, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Let, let's get Keith's opinion on this. Keith, you're, you're awfully quiet. <laughs> but anyway, the film. The film. The Spanish Main, 1697. And we're on El Nebuloso's Galleon. Which I think was um, the Bounty 2, which was um, apparently the, the Bounty 2 ship played three different ships in this movie. Oh, very nice too. Yeah, it was um, the boat that they built for um, the 1962 version of Mutiny on the Bounty. Che- Cheech and Chong are in there counting their Spanish doubloons. Tommy Chong's character, El Nebuloso, it just apparently Tommy Chong couldn't do a Spanish accent, so he just lisped instead. Really, really... Really sophisticated comedy going on here. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you find Cheech and Chong funny? No, I don't. There was a there was a period of time in my late teens where I thought their seminal work, Up in Smoke, was amusing. I'll let the um, listeners draw their own conclusions as to why it resonated with me at the time. Yeah, because their humour is, basically. <laughs> Ooh, we smoke doobies, aren't we hilarious? That's basically it, isn't it? Yeah, ba- yeah basically. <laughs> Yeah, El Nebuloso's there. They've got some Spanish treasure. They've decided to keep it. They're going to basically keep that from the from King Carlos because El Nebuloso is Garth's personal representative in this vicinity. 
<laughs> Cheech does say something offensive and he tells him to bang his head on the floor until forgiven. He's forgiven, yeah. <laughs> but then Yellowbeard, played by Graham Chapman, yep. and Moon, which is Peter Boyle, mm-hmm. they burst in, they steal the money, and Yellowbeard chops off Moon's hand for no apparent reason and takes the treasure. Yep, Boson Moon puts his hand in the treasure chest and um, he must have leprosy or something because <laughs> um, all, <laughs> all Yellowbeard does is close the lid. Of the treasure chest. And... It's like a knife through butter, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit like getting your finger caught in a Tupperware container. <laughs> Expression on his face. He doesn't even look hurt. He looks a bit fed up. He holds up the um, the stump and there's about three drops of blood on it. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like immediately cauterised. <laughs> yeah. This made me wish it had been directed by Peckinpah because we'd have got his salad days all over again. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very apparent just in that prologue that um, the special effects budget is a little bit lacking. <laughs> and then we get a title card that says, immediately after this, he was sent to jail for tax evasion for 20 years, and now it's 20 years later. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> that title card, I actually enjoy that title card. Really? Um, <laughs> I was annoyed by it. <laughs> I mean, Yellowbeard, you know, a vicious pirate who killed over 500 men, swallowed their hearts whole often forcing them to eat their own lips he was eventually captured and sentenced mm. to 20th prison for tax evasion that's that's oh, funny. it's a good joke but the whole you know, from a storytelling perspective is dreadful yeah can't be bothered to film this bit so we just hold up a title card it's, it's strange they may as well have just started it in jail yeah the only point of that prologue is to establish bosun moon's grudge against Yellowbeard and el nebuloso why he has the riches could they have done that with plot? Well, a lot of things in this movie could have been done with plot. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get all plotty, then um, we might as well give up now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, me and my plot hat. <laughs> Such a plot Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> this is a character study. It's character driven. <laughs> but then we're in the English prison. Yeah. And Graham Chapman's doing that thing he does all the time. Which is that, you know, people these days, we didn't get anywhere by not killing each yeah. other. You know, that, that shtick he does for pretty much the whole film. Yeah, so so someone dies in the prison and, ah, oh, bloody quitters. Yeah, 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 nobody got anywhere by dying, it's all that. Yeah. yeah, 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 you'd have to kill me before I die. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's chucking the, the dead bodies in the little balsa wood caskets. And um, he's assisted by Marty Feldman as Gilbert. He's got a funny voice. He has got a funny voice. Hello, Yellowbeard. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's his whole character. Where's the treasure, Yellowbeard? <laughs> his character is that and the eyes, of course. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, Yellowbeard's beard is actually looking not, not quite as brilliantly yellow as it did in the prologue. No, it's quite it's sooty. Like a, like a sooty dark ginger, yeah. Yeah. But then his wife turns up, yep. played by Madeline Kahn. She's rubbish in this. You know who she reminded me of? Heather Graham and From Hell. Hey, that's a good comparison. That's how bad she is. Yeah, it's the, rivals Heather Graham's accent for just awful. And I love Madeline Kahn in, well, up until this point, everything she'd be in him that I've seen. Same here. I just wonder if she was a little embarrassed. Well, I would have been. Well, I'd, you know, I just wonder if she sort of turned up, read the script, all kind of 12 pages of it, and, yeah, just thought, oh, Gee, are all my jokes rape jokes? They are. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other yeah. reason I don't find this film 
any good or funny in any way i, I don't quite remember these things when i was a eight-year-old nine-year-old watching this but you can tell there wasn't a, a woman in the writer's room God, yeah. yeah she it really is a thankless role she turns up at the prison hello sugar jaws she says to um to Yellowbeard, tells him that he actually has a son mm-hmm. of course he's been 20 years in, in prison the fruit of your loins and he says i haven't got fruit in my loins lice yes and damn proud of him <laughs> yeah yeah i think damn proud of him is quite funny <laughs> i thought i thought that was good there are moments where at its best it's like a good episode of black adder 2 or something mm, yeah not what you mean but very few and far between it's just the odd line it is the odd line yeah she says he's just like his his, his son is just like him so um yellow beard asks him was he a th- pirate or a, th- a thief or a rapist no he's a gardener um much to yellow beard's disappointment yeah, and he's called dan we know that much played by martin hewitt who really was only notable for zeffirelli's um endless love did you see he was originally cast as dan yes Ad- adamant adamant yeah and then sting yeah well i think sting turned it down well because i read a martin hewitt quote saying Sting should have had my part. It should have been Sting. Yeah, they. But I think they wanted to go with an American actor, even though he puts on an English accent. I have to say, he does a good English accent. He's totally serviceable in his bland, bland <laughs> role, but he does a, a fine English accent. Oh yes. Yeah, so, so why hire an American? <laughs> yeah. Why not just keep Adam in? <laughs> He'd come with his own wardrobe. He'd, <laughs> he's got his exactly. own pirate clothes. He'd have been dandy. He'd have been great. And he wouldn't have been scared of any ridicule either. Exactly, exactly. So, Madeline Kahn then meets Blind Pew, played by John Cleese. Now, I have to say, I like John Cleese in this. Yeah, he's good as Blind Pew, yeah. I think this is the only thing he's done in the last, coming up to 50 years, that isn't just a variety of Basil Fawlty. Yeah. Because everything else has been, and this is different, and I liked him in it. This is what I mean, like, Blind Pew could have been a really good character that showed up in a Blackadder for an episode. You know, sort of like Tom Baker's character in, in Blackadder, um, was that Blackadder 3rd or Blackadder? Oh, that's, that's Blackadder 2, yeah. 2. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, Blind Pew could have been a great role like that. He's almost like Zatoichi, the blind samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Rutger Hauer, um, <laughs> Blind Fury. Of course, being blind, he wouldn't have been able to see how un-British London apparently is and then tweet about it. Oh, God. No, he no, he would have smelt his way through the tweet. <laughs> yeah. He'd have just gone, multicultural, yep, that's fine. <laughs> He's getting ported a drink. He asks for a double. He says, I said a double. I knows a double when I hears one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got the promise of good things, but they are just good characters. Yeah. There's nothing else. With no real sort of plot story or, or anything. No, really. nothing to hang them on. Yeah. And then we meet um, Eric Idle and Nigel Planer as, as Commander Clement and Mansell. They arrive at uh, Lambourne Manor, where the um, Queen Anne is, is sort of temporarily holding court. Yeah, Lord Lambourne's played by Peter Cook and Lady Lambourne Beryl Reed. Yep, that's what I've written. Beryl Reed, hurrah! And she, she's actually quite quite good in this. She's a good sport, at least. Oh, Beryl Reed's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> when she comes up to him and says, I've got a question of etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> she's ace. She always reminds me of the Queen Mother. Yeah. <laughs> and Spike Milligan shows up. It's an awful thing to say, but I thought he was funnier in to be the biggest dog in the world. <laughs> I remember being, as a child, really liking the bit where he, he reads out um, that uh, Commander Clement has, has arrived and he's the head of Secret Service, not to be read out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's an old joke, but mm. yeah. 
then of course um, Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weitz. <laughs> um, but they, they're there because they want to extend Yellowbeard's prison sentence because obviously they know he'll escape yeah. and go looking for the hidden treasure yeah so um, as predicted Yellowbeard uh, when he's told his sentence has been extended by another 140 years quite perturbed by that and he escapes and goes and finds Madeline Kahn she says that she's uh, destroyed the map but yes. when Dan was two minutes old she tattooed the map on his head mm-hmm and um, Yellowbeard says, has anyone seen it? No. And uh, he doesn't know about it either because I kept him in the cupboard for three years. Yes, that's right. And then we're back at Lambeau Manor yep. where Yellowbeard turns up and hilariously violently rapes Beryl Reed. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. No, it's not, not good. I'm starting to suspect I know why this doesn't appear on TV anymore. Like, mm. It's such, such a huge lack of judgment in certain areas. It's it's not good. No. But then and, he meets Dan, his son. He tries to kill him, tries to cut his head off. Yep. Um, but Dan convinces him because he's got the map on his head, well, maybe I could be of use to you. So they and Lamborn go to meet the doctor, played by Michael Holden. Dr. Gilpin. Dr. Gilpin, yes. Yep. And right. they um, they come up with a really cool sort of alias for um, Yellowbeard, Professor Anthrax. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which always made, that always made me laugh as a kid. Anthrax is a good word. Because <laughs> they're saying, Professor, Professor, kill, Professor, yeah. rape, Professor Anthrax. That's <laughs> good. If I was like a DJ or something, I'd be Professor Anthrax. <laughs> DJ Anthrax. That's good. I like it. <laughs> so they go to, they go to Portsmouth um, they do, to, they do. to get and a ship for Jamaica. And, and, and in between all this, there's there's all this kind of intrigue where we find out that Gilbert is actually working for Moon. Also, Clement and Mansell are trying to get information from Blind Pew. Blind Pew says, I may be blind, but I have a cute earring. Oh, yes. Says, yeah. I don't care about your jewellery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things like that, that that really made a an eight-year-old boy smile. That's one step away from you have a cute angina, isn't it? <laughs> So yeah, they go to um, they go to Portsmouth, where I used to live. Oh, did you? I used to live in Portsmouth. Yeah. Did any little bigger girls ask you for three farthings for a, a lump of shit? No, no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, nobody threw shit in my face. I was punched in the face a few times, <laughs> particularly around that sort of naval area of Portsmouth. But um, no, no shit. Well, uh, make your mind up. Were you punched in the face with the naval? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was punched in the naval base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that part of Portsmouth is actually called The Hard, which always made me laugh. Not for rude reasons, because you went there and there were loads of hard lads that would kick your head so, in. Sounds, sounds like the name of a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Hard. I, I actually think the production values aren't too bad in this part. Because apparently that Portsmouth set was in Jamaica, or Mexico. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so they didn't actually film it in England. They they got a bit of Mexico and, and dressed it up to look like Portsmouth. Is it sort of like an old sort of colonial era? I, I, kind of? I don't know. Because um, the whole thing, other than the the stately homes, were all shot in Mexico. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they've got a decent number of extras. The costumes aren't bad. Like, it's more big budget than an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, I think it costs about $8 million. So quite, quite an expensive comedy for 1983. Made, made half of that, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. 
but it's quite a good little scene in Portsmouth. Press gang some people into the Navy. Yes. Dan is press ganged as uh, Gilpin and, and Lamborn. Mm-hmm. And then Yellowbird's yellow. I keep calling him Yellowbird. Yellowbeard. <laughs> Yellowbird. Yellowbeard uh, sneaks on the sneaks on board the boat as well. Sneaks yeah. on board this ship, unbeknownst yeah. to them. And the, um, the ship is captained by um, Captain Hughes, played by uh, James Mason. James Mason. Now, James Mason. He's shit, isn't he? <laughs> He's terrible, isn't he? I love him in this. Oh my god. I love him in this because he says one funny thing. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. So he's 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 waiting for you know people are uh, are boarding the ship. I, I'm not I'm not even sure why, but someone um kisses him because he's so pleased. With, what does he say to the guy? He says that he can go on or something. Yeah. The guy kisses him and then he's don't do that. Don't do that ever again. It's just, I just love James Mason. He can just read the dictionary, and I'm. <laughs> He's got an amazing voice. But watching him in Group Madness, he basically says, "If you play the character straight, it eventually becomes funny. Therefore, I am funny." But the problem is, nobody else is doing that. Nobody's playing it straight, so it's so out of place. But everyone's clowning around, and he's just going, "Hello, I'm the captain." <laughs> But this is exactly this is the Robert Stack in airplane role. <laughs> yeah, you know, this this is the credible sort of actor playing to type almost who's who's come on who's been to just play it straight and and, and therefore is funny. But they've and, got that um, as Michael Horden as well though. Yeah, but he kind of does the bit of the bumbling mm. sort of like that bit with the. <laughs> <laughs> trying to work out if it's an island or it's, it's an isthmus it's an oh. archipelago it's you know <laughs> that is quite funny that bit that's actually, a funny yeah. bit that is quite funny isthmus isthmus it's an isthmus yeah I just thought James Mason was he's the, one of the highlights for me because I thought movie. he was reading his lines on off a card off the screen you could, oh, see, I, him, I you could surprised. see him looking sort of just off camera and then going ah Mr. Prostitute yeah he, he he's looking a little bit um tired and frail in, in this mm. yeah and of course uh, then we've got it seems to be a just endless sort of skit of um people trying to sneak women onto the ship yeah it goes on a bit that doesn't it goes on and on gilbert has a big fake kind of crocodile and says you know you're allowed pets and mm. well, you know open it up what do you mean open it up it's got buttons down the side oh there's a woman in there yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, that whole thing does end with I think the only time I laughed out loud <laughs> is where there's a beautiful woman with a drawn-on moustache called Mr. Prostitute, <laughs> which did make me laugh a lot. Mr. Prostitute, which is kind of used in the Ardman film, the Ardman Pirates film. Oh yeah, where where all the, the pirates are called things like pirate with a scarf and pirate with a hat, and there's one called unusually curvaceous pirate or surprisingly curvaceous <laughs> pirate. And it's clearly just a woman dressed up as a man. <laughs> so I like it for that. Mr. Prostitute gave me so so many laughs as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as all these as all these people are trying to sneak the woman on board, James Mason, the ancient superstition that a woman on board brings bad luck is now a proven scientific fact. It's a proven fact, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> And then it's all downhill from there. It really is. Yeah, that, that was the high point. That was mm. the zenith of the film. But um, it's still capable then, of surprises. You've got Ferdy Main pops up as Mr. Beamish. 
Who's Ferdy Main? Ferdy Main, he had a um, sort of quite a successful uh, career in the in the sixties. Uh, I think he was in I think he was in Where Eagles Dare. Okay. Yeah, and, and he was sort of a leading man. Um, and he's he almost looks like a kind of poor man's Christopher Lee as Mr. Beamish. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then Madeline Kahn is effectively being tortured. Yeah. She's being dunked in the sea. Yeah, Mr. Beamish is the one who's ordering the dunking. Mr. Beamish is up until she gives away the location of, of where the, the treasure's buried. Yeah. And it's only given away by a slightly funny joke where they say she's been swimming with sharks. Yeah. And it's actually David Bowie with the shark fin <laughs> sewn on the back of his shirt. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, he's just so happy to be there. He really is. Possibly his, you know, his best cameo until um, uh, playing Tesla in The Prestige. Ah, uh, yes. This is the point, really, in the movie, yeah, where Yellowbeard just becomes a peripheral character. He's His job is kind of now to make Dan look like a tough guy. The hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the hero. So Yellowbeard beats up Mr. Crisp, who is kind of like the one in charge on deck. I forget what his, his rank is. He's played by Kenneth Mars as well, isn't he? Yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth Mars, Mars plays yeah. two two roles. Um, again, another... Someone from the Mel Brooks stable again, yep. Someone from Mel Brooks stable. I wonder if Dustin Hoffman turned this role down so Kenneth Mars got it. <laughs> I'd say a lot of people would have turned it down had they been offered yeah. it. <laughs> I think I would have turned it down, actually. But Yellowbeard beats up Mr. Crisp, yep. but everyone thinks that Dan has done it. There is then Mutiny, the, the captain and Mr. Prostitute, and the other, <laughs> the other high-ranking officers are all set sail for Portsmouth, yep. and Dan is elected as the new captain. Uh, but unbeknownst to them, Yellowbeard then changes the course of the ship and heads towards the island where the treasure is buried which hearkening back to our prologue is now sort of a how would you describe it it's almost like a, a, a fortress that's been presided over by el nebuloso so yes. chong and el segundo has um has it off second command, yep. yeah and they're kind of priest soldiers or whatever and el nebuloso has a kind of a nubile daughter named yes. trailer the, the girl from Halloween 3. That's the only thing I've ever seen her in before. I was reading that uh, she she was in Annie Hall. Or, or, um, oh, okay. Or the, or the character, the young woman in Annie Hall, was based on her because she said she had, she had an affair with Woody Allen when she was like, 16 or 17 or something. Surely not. Which I know is really hard to, hard no, to swallow. No, I, I yeah. find... No, no, it's way too old. Yeah, no. it was either Woody Allen or Moby, I can't remember. Bloody <laughs> 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 Moby. Bloody <laughs> Moby. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway, we're on the island, so yep. we get some more hilarity from Cheech and Chong. We get some unnecessary beer breasts all over the yep. place. No need at all, but hey, we're all comedians, we're in Mexico, there's going to be some boobs. And, and, and I reckon, um, actually, the, the boobs are because this is really where the movie starts to really fall over in terms of plot. And I know that's saying something, considering mm. th- there's been scanty plot up until this point, but it really just um, loses momentum once they yeah. get here if i wasn't bored up until then i certainly was yeah now. yeah because rem- even as a kid i remember being like oh kind of my favorite parts of the movie are finished now and they're at the island and it's kind of not as much fun yeah mm. so they get some nudie ladies yeah. just to pique your interest i suppose yeah. then we see kenneth mars again yep doing his funny foreigner yep. from young frankenstein yep. and he's invented a torture chair with a pool of acid around it or something yeah then we see peter boyle again moon yep now where's he supposed to be from Boston Moon. Well, uh, is he a Cornish pirate? Is he American? Well, he's obviously Peter Boyle doing a really bad accent. Because in the scene where he's sitting by the fire, he's going proper. Ooh, arr, come over here, me arties. Yeah. And for the rest of it, he talks like he's from Los Angeles. I just think it's Apache accent work. Probably, um, 
because in main group madness in the doco he actually comes across as really unenthusiastic as well well he does in the film too yeah there's probably a few of them who turned up on set and kind of went oh shit what have i signed up yeah. for yeah so they're at the island so the the, the ship which i think is called the edith lady edith yeah, Ed, named after graham um, chapman's mother gets to the island and a lot of the crew are attacked and killed by it looks like the baddies from Raiders of the Lost Ark they're all dressed like those kind of priests with the big headdresses on and things like that yeah 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 but Dan is captured yep and then Michael Horden sort of reminds us that previously in the film he'd invented some sort <laughs> yeah. of paralysing liquid which um, wears off instantly just in case we'd forgotten about it before and it might be important later yeah and then Yellowbeard turns up again yeah and he has a fight with some of these priests on the beach now we're constantly told through the film that Yellowbeard is this man who will mercilessly kill 500 people mm. he only has to look at them and they'll drop down dead and he'll torture them he fights with these priests and he doesn't kill any of them he just pushes them over pushes them over yeah on, on a par with the Spider-Man, the TV series, um, fight choreography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except he didn't pose for a nice photo at the end of these and say, let's be buddies. <laughs> they had exhausted their blood budget with the three drops of blood that they put on Peter Boyle's stump in the prologue. <laughs> they should have had some shit. He could have thrown some shit at them or something. There's plenty of that going round. But then Dan is in the torture chair um, while the princess from Halloween 3 says she's in love with him. Yeah, He's, That's right. Yes, you are. So they wanted him to confess. And I just thought, you don't need the chair. Just let him watch the film. <laughs> yeah. By this stage, I'd have confessed to any crime. I just, I just said, I'm Jack the Ripper. I wouldn't have minded. That would have been fine. Just end it now. But then there's this strange plan about, oh, we'll lure them all in by pretending that you're being killed by the attackers. So all the priests just kind of fall over. And he says, I will have no more bad acting. I just wish Mel Damsky had put that in his notes on the first day. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll have no more bad acting. Yeah, <laughs> but then the priests who have all been pretending to be dead, they get up to fight, mm. and then thankfully Michael Horden gets the paralyzing liquid out and starts using it, and they they all start falling over and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you think that El Nebuloso is going to be this big baddie that he has to fight, but he just falls into the acid pit, just literally just falls in. Yeah. So there's no fight, there's no confrontation, and then we see, or rather we don't see, the death of Gilbert. Marty Feldman's character because ironically yeah. this was the only scene that he didn't film <laughs> before his death so they had to get a stand-in to film Marty Feldman's death scene because he actually died because he actually died thought, what an end to a career uh, and I've read a quote from Graham Chapman saying oh, I like to look on the positive side at least um, he went out doing some some of his great work again or something I thought oh, oh dear you're taking the piss yeah. so uh, get a bit more fighting yeah and then Moon reveals himself to be the big baddie of the piece after all. Oh, He's yes. the one who wants the treasure. Yeah. So he has a bit of a fight with Dan. But Dan doesn't defeat Moon. He's just kicked into the acid pit by the girl from Halloween 3. <laughs> and so then you think it's over. But no, it's not. Because Eric Idle and Madeline Khan are on the beach looking for treasure. And they do this running joke about the treasure map. <laughs> where rather than it being like three paces to the left, three paces to the right... They go stagger, crawl, stagger. crawl, stagger, stagger, <laughs> crawl, enjoyed that. crawl. Oh my <laughs> god! I enjoyed that. You were in a much better mood than me watching <laughs> this thing because it was painful. Stagger, stagger, left. <laughs> it would have been funny once, yeah, but it makes yeah, yeah. no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so they all start doing it. Yeah. But thanks to staggering, etc., etc., Yellowbeard and Dan finally find the treasure. Mm. 
But then Dan stabs Yellowbeard. Or does he? I'm not really sure. They have a hug and Yellowbeard's been stabbed. He's, he's sort of accidental. They have a hug. They're, they're overjoyed at finding the treasure. And it's an accidental stab? I think so. I, I always took it as an accidental stab. And then Yellowbeard sort of sees that he's been stabbed by Dan. You are my son. Yeah, and, and he perishes. Yeah. Or does he? Yeah. Or does he? Yeah. Um, but then Eric Idle turns up and says, I'll take that treasure, please. Yeah. So Halloring 3 says, I love you, Eric Idle, and goes yeah. off with him instead. I don't think I love you anymore. You're right, you don't. You're right, you don't. So then we're on the ship home. Yep. Uh, Eric Idle's sort of wearing a crown, and they're going, why don't we just keep it? Let's not tell the Queen. Yeah. Let's just, but let's go to America with all the treasure. Yeah. Which is obviously what Eric Idle did in real life. Yes, yeah. But then Yellowbeard and Pals somehow smash through the window yeah, yeah. Uh, and say there's pirating to be done they don't defeat anyone they don't fight anyone and then it's all over Dan has fully embraced his yellow beard heritage and yes so Yellowbeard's not dead Yellowbeard is dead he's never he's more dangerous ghost. we Yellowbeards are never more dangerous than when we did yeah yeah so mm, yeah who bloody knows and then and then it ends yeah should we just get straight to it Robert Johnson you with a dark brown black beard mm-hmm is Yellowbeard still any good? No, and it was it was never, n- never, never good. Well, it was for you once, wasn't it? It was for me once. It was. And it was to Christine Hinchman and Richard Ball, too. They loved yeah. it, too. Yeah, and I guess, again, there was an advantage to having only two TV channels, <laughs> not, not owning a VCR until I was eight. What was on the other channel? Wow, God knows. It was probably <laughs> shut down, you know, when the... <laughs> Yeah, Goodnight Kiwi came on. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of like when, you know, about 10 years ago when um, those retro channels started playing, like the A-Team and Knight Rider again and Battlestar Galactica and you'd sit down. Actually, Battlestar Galactica is actually still good. But you'd sit down and, and go, oh, God, I used to love Knight Rider when I was a kid. This mm. would be, be really cool to watch this again. And yeah. they're just unwatchable. And the A-Team is just unwatchable. Even saying that, this would would have been vaguely unwatchable even in the early 80s I think but yeah I, I I loved it I think it was kind of I knew I was watching some, something a bit naughty and a bit transgressive yeah and, yeah um, I can understand that yeah and um, you know it was a little bit saucy and I kind of liked the fact that he was this anti-hero and you know he was, he was a baddie but he was kind of like yeah, yeah. and yeah, you know, I was surprised how bad it was like looking back on it I thought you know before I rewatched it I was like oh yeah it was it was you know, kind of like a good episode of Blackadder. It was a, a really good spoof with some really funny moments and some really good performances from this impeccable cast. And so, no, not not good at all. I have to say, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know how you feel now, having watched Digby, the biggest dog in the world. <laughs> I absolutely... Yeah hated it yeah it yeah. was just one of those examples like i mentioned before like oceans 12 yeah where it's just a group of people who've got together in a nice location just to have some fun yeah and then go oh we better shoot a couple of scenes yeah. now let's go out and have some fun in things like idols autobiography you know in the night him and peter cook were going to mexico city to brothels and things like that yeah. just having a hell of a good time yeah and just making a film in between it yeah. It's Carry On Columbus levels of bad. It is. I think the thing I've written at the end, which sort of sums it up, is it's the expendables of shit comedy. <laughs> the excretables. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely terrible. Other mm. than the one time that I genuinely laughed, I can't find anything redeemable about it at all. 
I, I honestly think it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Rob. Wow. Yeah. Even worse than Digby. Yeah. I'd rather watch <laughs> Digby than watch this again. And bear in mind, I did watch this twice for the podcast. I survived it twice. Yeah, see, I can't believe you watched it twice. It's, it's my way. It's what I do. Yeah. I did it with Digby and I did it with this. I, I only did this once. I only mm, did this once. Yeah, I, I wish I had. And I really, I really wavered as the film went on. Yeah. Mm. I, I, for me, and it may not be for you, this is a this is a new low in the films that we've seen. <laughs> I take some pride in that. You've really excelled yourself. I feel like this. It's good to have a new. You know, we've got to keep pushing ourselves. <laughs> and it's really good to have a new kind of nadir. For... So it's not affecting the scorecard. <laughs> Not in a positive sense for me, no. No, no. So, no, I don't think it was particularly good, I'm afraid. No, no, no. And, and I would agree with you, yeah. Sounds like it was quite cathartic for you. It was quite nice to get some anger out, actually. I was quite angry while I was watching it. Oh, before we go on, we did get some correspondence. We got some other correspondence as well. Oh, fantastic. So I, I promised that I'd say hello to some new listeners who sent us some very lovely tweets about how much they're enjoying the podcast. So I want to say hello to Aggie Fox who does a podcast from uh, somewhere in the Midlands in England, Lovely. and also Dom from Manchester. They've both tweeted quite recently about how much they're enjoying our podcast. Oh, so really? I said I'd give them a mensch. Oh, welcome. I'm glad you're enjoying Ooh. the show. Yeah. So, Chris, we, we really need something to, um, to really cleanse the palate after, uh, yeah. after Yellowbeard. Yeah, we need a damn good mouthwash, don't we? we? So. We do. Hopefully I'm going to be providing that. So I'm going back to... Well, in America it came out in 1985, but I saw it when it came out in the UK in 1986. Okay. It's a film set in Victorian times Mm -hmm. about a very well-known character. So I have chosen young Sherlock Holmes. Great. And who's the um, well-known character? Queen Victoria. (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, good one! Yeah, I've, I have yeah. only seen this once or twice, and I was um, about seven, eight years old, I think, nine, mm. maybe nine years old, when it just saw it on the telly. And um, I remember the um, early use of, of CGI. Is it is that right? Or, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that that was what got me excited about it in the first place because there was a feature on the Barry Norman show, so it probably would have been film eighty six. Yeah, where they had an on set feature and they talked to one of the special effects guys, and it was the first fully rendered CG character. Cool. Which is the stained glass window man. Yeah, yeah. So Jar Jar Windows. Um, Jar Jar Windows, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's made me giggle. <laughs> so I... <laughs> Not sure why that was funny, but <laughs> oh, compose yourself, man! This is terrible. I've corpse. This is awful. Um, but yes, deep breath. Yeah, I I saw it when it came out in the movies and loved it. I saw it, I think, last time probably about ten years ago. Great. And because it hasn't really had that much exposure, it didn't create a franchise. Mm. You don't really see it on TV. It's not one that people talk about much. So. Again, that question arises, is it still good? I'm hoping it is. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to, having, to watching this one. Nice choice. Good stuff. All right. Let's do the usual housekeeping. Okay. 
If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at StillAnyGoodPod. Instagram, StillAnyGoodPod. We're also on Facebook, StillAnyGood. And if you want to email us, StillAnyGood at gmail.com. All right. Well, Chris, I'll see you next time. Yep. It's time for me to get out of this garage and get out in that rain. And for you to, I don't know, probably just go into the kitchen and make another lovely hot cup of cocoa or something. We'll have a bit of cake too. Oh, lovely. Yeah. All righty. Brilliant. See you later. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Lemble, stop that man kissing on the edge!